As again, we come today to celebrate this feast of Christ the King of the Universe. It's one of my favorite titles of a Mass, Christ the King of the Universe. Who settles for just King of the World when you can take over the entire universe and establish your dominion there? It's rightly His, right? He is the one through whom all things have been made. He is the King of the Universe, the King of all creation. But what we hear and understand in the sacred scriptures, as we ought to know well by this point, having heard the gospels many times of the, of the story of the passion of our Lord uh, during, these, during these holy days, and specifically during Holy Week each year, is the fact that the Messiah comes not in the manner that was often expected. He comes differently. The Messiah, the one who is to be the king of the world, the, the, the restorer of the people of Israel, the one to restore the hope and to make them a great kingdom once more, that all the world might be drawn to Jerusalem. That same king climbs upon his throne, which is the cross. That king, rather than being clothed in fine garments, is stripped of his clothing as he's placed upon his throne. Rather than being fed uh, with delicious choice foods and wine from fine chalices, he is given bitter wine, basically vinegar, on a piece of hyssop, a branch, just filled and dripping all over the place as they sought to give it to him, this bitter drink. And in the end, where there ought to have been the continuous cry of Hosanna to the Son of David, as, was met by, as our Lord was met with on Palm Sunday as he entered Jerusalem, those cries of exaltation and celebration turn into jeers and sneers as they mock the Lord, even those alongside him being so bold as to mock the man. If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. This is the Messiah. This is our King. It's not exactly how we might have envisioned it. And this is the reality that the apostles themselves had to wrestle with. In the end, there are for us a single decision about this man, about this king. We can be Judas or we can be John. It's a simple decision. We can be Judas or we can be John. Judas is the one who has all the plans set out in his mind of how things are supposed to work. Judas, who, who, who knows some of the history, some of the, 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 the things that have been foretold about the Son of Man, he knows the one who is supposed to come, and he identifies him in the person of Christ. He knows that Jesus is the great King, but he's frustrated because his kingdom ought to be more than what it is. Jesus seems to be settling for something much lower than what should be his, and this is a frustration for Judas. Judas always worried about the money, always worried about the fine things, that, that we ought to have nice things, right? The king ought to be treated well. And yet, this is not what he experiences. Over and over again, Judas is frustrated by the fact that things are not going as it seems that they should be. His expectation of the kingdom is changing day by day every time the Lord opens his mouth. And especially it comes to the height in the face of the passion. Judas, who frustrated that the Lord has not taken up for himself, has not, has not authoritatively claimed the throne of Israel, which is rightly his, seems to force the man into things. It goes off and essentially says, well, if, if the Lord's not going to step up, then, then I'm going <laughs> to force him into it. We're going to put him in the spotlight. 
We're going to put him in front of the world, and we're going to make him say who he is. And indeed, he does say who he is. Before Pilate, after being, after being silent for a time, he simply responds to Pilate's accusations, and he says, my kingdom is not here. My kingdom is not here. He acknowledges that he is a king, but he also acknowledges to the frustration of Judas that his kingdom is not just a worldly one like all the other kings we might have imagined. Judas, so intent on fulfilling his own expectations of how things ought to be in the kingdom of God, falls away from the Lord entirely. He becomes the means by which the Lord is crucified, and in the end he has no hope whatsoever and takes his own life. On the other end, we have the person of John. John, who is there with the Lord, who is there right there next to the Lord at the Last Supper, the same as Judas, it seems. For the Lord Lord to be able to dip the bread and to give to Judas, it seemed that Judas must have been right there at hand. I mean, Jesus, after all, isn't Stretch Armstrong, where he can stretch his arm, you know, six feet across the table, huh? Judas must have been right there. And we know that John was too, because John is the one who, in the midst of the dinner, lays his head upon the breast of the Lord, and at the request of Peter, is the one to ask our Lord, who is it that's going to betray you? Peter wasn't the one right next to him. It was John, right there at his side. And it was John who, listening to the Lord, wrestled with all of these things, struggled to understand all of these things, It's John who, together with James and Peter, are are, are continually brought to to those high places and is challenged with the understanding of, of what I thought is different. And yet he remains in that place, and he's willing to accept these things, to accept these challenges and these changes, to understand that Jesus is not who I thought he was, but he's the one, so I need to conform myself to him. John is the one who continues to walk with our blessed Lord through the midst of his passion, and he's the only one who is there at the foot of the cross with Mary and Mary Magdalene and the others. The only one of the apostles who is there to honor the great king as he climbs upon his throne to show forth his authority in this world by conquering even death itself. John is the one who is willing to embrace the messiness of the kingdom of God and to be willing to persevere in it, to trust in the Lord in the midst of all of these things which are confusing and discouraging, which are a great challenge, but he remains. This is our own challenge that we experience today, because as we look around the world, it doesn't seem like the kingdom of God is particularly in great shape. We look around the world and we can be discouraged by the things that are taking place within the church and the church's position within the world. We think that things, things ought to be different. And sometimes our inclination is to be as Judas and to, to try to make it different, to force things in a way that is not our own, to make demands of, of, of the church and of the world which we simply can't make. But it doesn't mean that we also just resign ourselves to accepting whatever happens to be. We must be as John in the midst of this world and to trust in the Lord, to walk with him and to allow him to walk with us in the messiness of the kingdom of God as it continues to unfold in our daily lives. To trust that the good Lord is mindful of all of these things, 
that what we see is not it, that there is more that is not yet understood by us, that there are things that are mysteries that we have to wrestle with. How is it and why is it that these things are allowed to take place? And it's to trust in the Lord in this and to do as we ourselves ought, to be like John, to stay close to our Lord, to lay our head upon his breast in prayer daily, to be able to listen to his voice specifically as he speaks to us through the word of God and the sacred scriptures. We must be a people of prayer. And if we remain such, we will be able to handle whatever it is that the kingdom looks like in the particular time in which we find ourselves. And to know that God is in control of all of these things, just as he said, to be able to accept the confusion and the messiness and all that comes with the world, to embrace it and to continue to press on, bringing us and the world and with us closer to our Lord. And says, we offer this feast of Christ the King is to rejoice that Christ has indeed come to restore all things and to know that that restoration is still taking place, that he is still converting hearts, that he is still converting the world, still converting our culture, that his work is not complete, but it relies upon us being willing to continue to follow after him not to set our expectations in some unrealistic manner as Judas and to rebuke the church whenever she falls short of our own expectations, but rather to be able to stay close to Christ, to lean upon him in prayer, to listen for his voice, and to go with him wherever it is that he may lead, even if it means the cross.